Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. This is episode 145. Happy Groundhog's Day. Groundhog Day, not Groundhog's Day. We don't celebrate all groundhogs. It's just Groundhog Day. Happy Groundhog Day again. It, uh, (laughs) yeah. It, uh, I don't, I don't know. Did, did Punxsutawney Phil see his shadow? And what does that mean? It's six, six more, more weeks. Of winter. It's always six more weeks of winter. Does anybody ever actually think that this is going to go their way? Is it like the house always wins, you know? So mm-hmm. don't, but, uh, anyway, that's a fun I'm, image of Punxsutawney Phil, like dealing cards out. And, the uh, best, the best was the year that he bit the guy. <laughs> that was awesome i was like way to go phil um so it's uh yeah my, here we are at the my uh thing is, oh go ahead fredo i was just gonna say my thing is six more weeks of winter is different for people up north than it is for us down south yeah it's gonna be negative 14 at my mom's tomorrow so meanwhile meanwhile we're 50 degrees we're trying to stave off those swamp but uh springs and summers that's right. If you can delay the, if you can delay the, the oncoming of summer for us, we will be happy. Um, we've, we've all seen the movie Groundhog Day, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. That's yeah. one of my favorites. I just wanted to point that out. That's that's an all timer. Phil. Hey, Phil. Phil. Phil Connors. Phil Connors. I thought that was you. Hi, how you doing? Thanks for watching. Hey, hey. Now, don't you tell me you don't remember me because I sure as heck fire remember you. By the way, uh, uh, Aaron, yeah. it's it's uh, Tom Brady's retirement day again. That's that's right. Again. That's right. Tom Tom Baby retired yesterday again. Um, so I, I I think I used the absolute perfect gif, which was Curly mm-hmm. Bill from Tombstone, which is one of those movies that if it is on, I will watch it, even though. Yes. It is one of the more historically inaccurate versions of the Wyatt Earp story. It's just one of those I have to watch. But anyway, it's Curly Bill going, well, bye. Yeah. I mean, it's like, don't let the... I, I really do think that Tom Brady... And, and, and again, this is from a Saints fan. I get it. But I think it, it would have been a different story if he would have retired a few years earlier. I think I think a lot of people in the NFL are just done with him, and it's like after you win your you know sixth world championship, maybe I know he won seven, but if you, after you won your sixth before you decide to go to Tampa, but if he would have retired after the Patriots, I think everybody would have went, you know, and gave gave him a standing. But when it's like I'm going to the Bucks now, and now you know it's uh, I don't know. I think he. Yeah. I think he stayed on stage just a few songs too long. Very much. I mean, he got he got his flowers last year, and and then like took it back, and so now everyone is like, "Are we doing this just, again? Are we now going to write fawning articles over this guy again?" What's I mean, the, what's the line you uh, from? You either live long enough to be the hero, hero, or or, you... or see yourself the villain. That's Batman, right? Because it's all part of the plan. So I told you I have mm-hmm. a Batman story. So um, I'm going to leave the um, uh, establishment out of it to protect the innocent. But my wife went to book club on Monday and she sent me a text. She said, either Christian Bale is sitting at the end of the bar or 
he has a doppelganger here in New Orleans. Said it looked exactly like Christian Bale. She said, but I'm not going to be that person. I was like, why wouldn't you be that person? I mean, are you ever going to see Christian Bale? I'd go up and say, are you Christian Bale? You know, no. All right, my bad. Have a nice night. You know, it's just like, then leave. But anyway, so she did. So anyway, I was at the same establishment last night uh, for an engagement. And um, I was talking to bartenders. They were not there on Monday. But I said, um, would, uh, was, my wife said, thought she saw Christian Bale. And they said, Christian Bale? And, and Well, one of them said, Christian Bale. The other one was like, who's Christian Bale? She had to Google who Christian Bale was. Um, but they said, you know, the, We're bar- old. the bartender on Monday would have definitely not known who Christian Bale was. But anyway, so the one bartender who knew went into the kitchen and said, hey, you were here on Monday, right? And the guy said, yeah. I said, uh, was Christian Bale at the bar? He's like, no, that was a fake Christian Bale. It was a, a kind of a guy who looked like him. He said, I've been on, he used, he's worked on a movie with Christian Bale. This guy who was in the kitchen, he must have been doing like, you know, some sort of stagehand type of stuff. And, he's like, and that guy's a big douchebag. <laughs> so it's like, well, all right, there you go. <laughs> and so, um, so we learned that Christian Bale probably was not in New Orleans on Monday <laughs> and that he is actually a douchebag. So um, that's just which, an incredible story, right? Because like the end result is no, there, no, there's no Christian Bale. <laughs> so I did. I had I had a celebrity encounter on uh, on Tuesday my of my own where I met James Carville. And that was kind of fun. He was exercising in Lafayette Square, and I was that guy. I was like James Carville, and I he gave me a fist bump, and that was all good. So, uh, but anyway, so celebrity happenings here in New Orleans. Um, what else is going on? By the way, one last bit of celebrity happenings, and not New Orleans now because he's gone to Denver. But you also the champagne trade, right? Yeah. You know. What do you think? That, that's fine. It's better at the AFC. Better at the AFC. If he would have been in the NFC, I would have been like really kind of perturbed. Um, I still, I don't know. I, I know when I when I went to work for Google, they you know they taught us you know assume positive intentions. So he retired. You know Sean Payton retires and he says he's done. I'm like, it, it just kind of burns my my but that is like after a year is like no i want to go back it's like if you were done with us just say i'm done with you you know don't try to don't play a song and dance of oh i don't want to be a football coach anymore but and then go to denver but anyway um so a friend of mine who's a big kc fan i said hey good you're gonna be have to deal with sean payton twice a year he's like oh he said Denver does not deserve a coach like Sean Payton. He said, apparently KC fans hate Denver like we hate the Falcons. Uh, That's a rivalry. That's been a long-running rivalry. They don't like each other. And they both don't like the the Raiders. But, yeah, yeah, it's like a three-way. <laughs> um, the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Chiefs, they all hate each other like significantly, and nobody really cares about the Chargers. I will say this for Sean Payton. I'm in the same boat that if I didn't live in New Orleans, I'd want to live in Denver as well. Um, that's the only place that could get me to get back to the cold would be that part of Colorado, not Eastern Colorado, but the mountains of Colorado. 
I'm, so. you know, I'm glad the Saints got something in return for him. And like, uh, there was a lot of speculation that he wouldn't even find a landing spot. And you know, it just again, it's it's in a different conference. They have to get through the Chiefs every year, let alone Cincinnati and Buffalo and all, everyone else in the AFC. So it's like. You know, they, it they was, get to the Super Bowl, more power to them. Yeah, I tell you, it was only a few years ago where I was, like, basically um, turning my nose up at the AFC. It's like the AFC is the weak conference. The NFC's got the guns. It is the exact opposite now. The NFC is just kind of, I mean, with the exception of Philly right now. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a feeling that Philly might... Um, it could very, they could very well get an eye opening at the Super Bowl um, with the Chiefs, but I don't care. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. hey, it's an opportunity to eat some buffalo wings, right? That's... So I want to know. I, I I do that on a normal Sunday. It's no big deal. <laughs> I don't need Super Bowl. So I did not go to Chewbacca's um, because I went to the Pelicans game. Did you guys go to Chewbacca's? Dave, you went. I, yes, they won. Mm-hmm. How was it? long <laughs> 90 floats is what the yeah. stated what was it nola.com said it was a parade based on a star wars dog or something like that it was like they had oh, no. this the most tone deaf uh uh is that mccash i don't know i'll have i'd have to I'd have to look it up but anyway how, how that sounds like a, something mccash would would write how was the how was the parade yeah. um I, you know, it was fine. It's good. Um, we have many friends who march in that parade. Um, um, we went out and like we usually just try to take the temperature of our kids while we're out there because it's like, can you do you want to stay for this thing? Are you going to wind down? Are you t- t- too tired? Um, so we posted up at the beginning of the route to give ourselves and them a Where, fighting Where'd you chance. watch it? Where'd you watch it from? Oh, it was crazy. A friend of a friend had a house that was half a block from where they were staging. Right on. Nice. <laughs> so we were like, you were done beginning. early. <laughs> yeah. We were at the very, very beginning of that thing. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was good. Um, it wasn't too crowded. Um, the weather was good. It, um, Again, it's just it's just a really really long parade, um, and again, like some of the humor and some of the stuff that you see out there is not like super kid friendly, um, you know. Like if I'm a parent and I'm gonna like whine about any of it, it I guess like that would be part of it too. It's not it's too long a parade, and there's some some con- some adult content in it. Um, but otherwise, other than that, you know, like I mean, honestly, it's a parade. The crowds aren't too bad. You see a lot of really cool, fun stuff. Um, there's flashing lights, and kids get lightsabers for just being kids. And I mean, like, so like, all in all, you know, it's it's a good time. So, and uh, it was that way again this year. So it's interesting that you mentioned. First of all, I'm I'm, I'm searching Nola.com for that Chewbacca line, but and you says that McCash. Well, he's got a new article up. McCash has an article up. Um, and this is interesting because a couple of weeks ago we had JP Morrell on the show and the article title is our crew de Chewbacca's and other parades disrespected city council member says, yes, 
City Council President J.P. Morrell says that certain downtown carnival parades uh, t that take place early in the season are getting kicked around by the city. He wants to see them treated with the same deference and that New Orleans pays to mostly uptown parades that take place closer to Fat Tuesday. During Thursday's City Council meeting, Morrell presented proclamations to the leaders of the arty, eccentric Chewbacca's Crew de Vue and Crew Delusion parades that uh, marched through the Maronian French Quarter. Um, choosing his words carefully, Morel pointed out that there were some inequities faced by these popular parades that have recently arm-wrestled the city um, over their lengths of routes. Anyway, so yeah, okay, you can go into NOLA.com and read the rest of that article. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, the long and short of it is that he's looking to making some major changes to the way that Sid, the city government manages and controls and kind of sets about the table for the crews that take you note know, that oversee the parades during Mardi Gras season. Because, yeah, I mean, the big story this week, if you, unless you lived in Iraq and New Orleans, has been the change route for Crew de Vue and the big storm that kicked up out of the fact that they're having to skip uh lower decatur and frenchman uh street which are populated by bars with balconies and host parties and people make year-long plans to attend to uh, to be at that place so the businesses get extra staff purchase extra uh, items in order to be able to accommodate the extra business that comes in for kuruvu and now all that's out the window because uh, the city and NOPD basically said, told Kuruvu, your choice, you either go back to your uh, starting point in the Marini or you have the lower French Decatur and Frenchman article. So I think it's a good idea by JP. Uh, he's also looking into uh, reassessing some of the mindsets or some of the dynamics within some of the standing uptown crews, you know, particularly I think he named Nicks and Druids, which are kind of crews have been running for a while in lower numbers because most people don't realize there's a demand by crews to be able to parade i believe the city ordinance says there's no more than 30 and we have 35 so and then he's also looking at it from the standpoint of we should be able to lock in these routes by july of the of the this year for next year because people need to be able to make plans people need to be able to sort out what they're going to do so they're not at the last minute being told, oh no, you're moving your night, your parade from this night to this day, your route starting here now, deal with it. Because that's with, just too much. With, with, uh, we got to get to some Star Wars stuff here, but with all due mm -hmm. respect to our friend and wonderful guest, J.P. Morrell, this is why, if you're ever wondering, why hasn't my street been fixed? This is why, folks, because the city council is focusing on parade routes rather than Kias and Hyundais being broken into. But I will just get off that soapbox for a second. We'll move on to some Star Wars stuff. I, I, also I, give I them... get it that Mardi, Gras, that Mardi Gras brings in a heck of a lot of money, but we're not talking about canceling the parade. We're talking about a parade not going by somebody's store and going by somebody else's store. I'm sorry. I, I need to take a nap. Well, get off I, I'll say, too, <laughs> like, this is, um, is low-hanging fruit. Right. In theory, yeah. right? Like, this is the th kind of thing that you can fix, so they should fix, because it's like, well, why wouldn't you fix this? This has been broken now for a couple of years now, uh, as opposed to what people want to see from it. And 
again, Mardi Gras, Mardi Gras matters just as much to the locals as it does to the tourists. So um, get it right. Fix it. Um, I think that would uh, that's a savvy move to uh, engender some popularity. And again, this is something we brought up on the podcast when he was on. And uh, credit to him to, for listening and uh, to his uh, geeky audience over here. I have I have yeah. some things to say, but I'm going to move on and yeah. uh, get myself into trouble and get us into some Star Wars stuff. So tonight we're going to be talking about the Bad Batch. We got two episodes. You know how I said that the episodes were kind of meh? They're ramping up, kids. Um, and uh, anyway, so if it's the episodes Entombed and Tribe. And so, but first, let's do some trivia. And so, Fredo, because I interrupted you because you were going to say something about Mardi Gras, but moved on to Star Wars yeah. like the good teacher that I am. Uh, what planet's delegates second the motion to send commission to Naboo, effectively stalling any Senate action? Oh, gosh. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, you pulled hint, one of the... Hint, one of the characters from this planet um, now has a maquette bust uh, for sale on um, Regal Robot. I haven't been to Regal Robot in a hot minute. I gotta go back and take a look. I know the Trade Federation is the one. The oh, <laughs> that's a, if if you're uh, on, if you're if this was a video podcast, you'd be seeing me show Fredo a Star Wars action figure. Yeah. Of Regis. Uh, yeah, it's not the Mount Calamari. Let's just say Mount Calamari so I can get off because I'm not gonna think about it. You're right close. Now. It starts with an M. What? Malister. Yeah, Malister. Yeah. That was that was kind of, that, was, that was kind of a curveball. Okay. Right. All right. Some days I get C3PO, some days I get Malister. Yeah. All right. Dave, what color eyes does Jabba the Hutt peer through? She saw Holy cow! What color eyes does Jabba the Hutt peer through? I, I have a couple Jabba the Hutt. I here. think they're sort of orangish. Oh, look at you, orange! It is. All right, yeah. And the action figure is accurate. All right. So, Fredo, you can't complain about getting Malastare and he getting. What color is Jabba's eyes? Oh no, I wouldn't eyes? have. I wouldn't have. <laughs> was isn't that what uh, that was the original um, uh, original title for the Eagles hit Lion Eyes? It was Jabba's eyes. Anyway, sorry. Um, All right. Mm. So uh, for me, what who does Luke Skywalker describe as a strange old hermit? Aaron gets the softball. Um, that would be Obi Wan Ben Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. All right. So we got some news and leading off, Lando is dead. Long live Lando. Yeah. Not Billy D. Williams, kids. We're not breaking breaking news here. Not Billy D. Williams. (laughs) Yeah. You got to be careful there. No. So, yeah, this was from yesterday. This is from Giant Freaking Robot, who have the exclusive. I'll just quote them right from their article. The eagerly anticipated Lando series has been shut down by Lucasfilm. According to their sources, the Star Wars prequel series, which was the star, 
Donald Glover reprising the role, role of the roguish gambler is no longer moving forward. While there are a few details as to the breakdown of the series, past comments by Lucasfilm head Catherine Kennedy hint that the Star Wars show might simply not have been excuse me, have, might not have been a priority for Glover, whose level of critical acclaim and industry clout has been steadily rising throughout the years. In Star Wars Celebration 2022, Kennedy told Cinema Blend that the Lando series was basically waiting for Glover and development had come to a standstill. Well, you need to ask Donald, he's the one that holds all the cards here, but there's no movement, end quote. So they go on to explain that, you know, Donald Glover, he was finishing up Atlanta at the time. He's also Childish Gambino working on his mu uh, musical career. So well, there we and... he's also working on a Spider-Man movie. So they may not have been high, you know, big enough in his list of things to get to at this point. So it's dead. Well, and it's, it's not like... I, whether we agree with it or not, Solo has kind of a stigma attached to it. And when you have a couple other hot properties, you, you don't necessarily want to roll the dice on, you know, especially when you really don't need. The, you've, you've got the work. So it's like the other work is not, doesn't have a stigma attached to it. So... It's just sad because that was the one that I was really pumped for that had a lot of promise and could could have gone a lot of different directions. But uh, hey, that's what it is. And maybe Giant and freaking Robot is wrong. Who knows? Well, and they also make the make the point of saying that he's also working on a, a movie on a, on a TV adaptation for Amazon of the Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie movie, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, where he's also producing. So... It could be a dynamic where you know he's very much committed to only certain things where he's the guy in charge. Whatever you can say about his talent, he was never going to be the guy in charge at any show under Disney. So he may have chosen the place where he's calling the shots. Donald Glover is an extreme talent, and uh, if he comes back to them a year from now and says hey my schedule's open and i'm willing to do things a particular way that you guys would sign off on then uh, i don't think this would actually be dead at that point so um yeah. you never say never with any of this stuff i guess and that's a good point dave just because the reality is the casting was so perfect when they got donald glover to, to take over for billy d williams in terms of the role that it's almost, it's almost the kind of thing where you do wait for him. I mean, the only thing I can think of is when they made The Hobbit a decade ago and they offered it to Martin Freeman and, and they were adamant that that's their guy. They will wait for him to be done with whatever else he's doing because that's their guy. And so Yeah, he, he can always come back any point in the future and say, yeah, let's do it now and he'll go. But, but I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to take 30 seconds to get back up on my soapbox and say, this is, I mean, this is the thing where it's like, you know, dad, can we go to the amusement park? No, not today. We'll go tomorrow. And then tomorrow comes and it's like, you don't go. So Lucasfilm, I mean, Jazz Fest doesn't announce any, any acts until, you know, the papers are all signed and everybody's booked and on board. Yeah, things happen where we have to cancel an act, but very rarely. So it's like, I, I, I just, you know, did they just say, hey, Donald, do you want to do Lando? That'd be awesome. So we'll announce it at D23. 
you know what I mean? It's like, stop, stop announcing things until you got people contractually obligated to work at a certain time. I, that's because it, it is, it, it's a letdown. I know it sounds stupid, but it's a letdown because it was like, Oh, I was looking forward to that. It's not like Gina Carano going off the deep end and saying stupid things. And so Rangers of the new Republic gets, you know, canned. And so anyway, I'm off my soapbox. So, well, let's see if we can keep you off your soapbox and we'll just move right on to the to a better set of news. Uh, Star Wars Vision has been announced today by StarWars.com as coming out in Season 2. Actually, I call it Volume 2. It's coming out for release day on May the 4th on Disney+. Plus. So you're going to get nine new shorts from nine studios. No longer just Japanese studios. You're getting studios from around the globe, including... Uh, you ever you ever see the what's the name of the show? It was uh you ever see Chicken Run, the movie Chicken Run? Nope. Or Wallace and Gromit. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Ardman Studios is gonna be doing one of the shorts. Uh, All right on. uh they give you the titles in the article. They include stuff like Sith, Screechers Reach, and then the stars. Of course, no description as to what each one's gonna be about. But yeah, May the fourth, uh that's gonna be at least one of the presents you're gonna get from Disney. It's for Star Wars Day is going to be Visions Volume Two. It's a and it's an eclectic group of animators, um, mm -hmm. and uh, we may get a little more diversity this time around than we did last time. <laughs> I think it's an yeah. interesting thing to release on May the fourth. Um, it's you're you're taking. Um, I don't know. It's like. It, it, it's like saying, hey, I'm going to play, you know, I'm going to play a U2 song and then pick the most obscure U2 song that the audience, some of the, like the nerdier audience will know. And it's just what I'm saying is that I don't know if Visions, as cool as it was, I don't know if it was as broadly, you know, accepted, you know, seen, and this, this might be a totally ignorant comment. But it just seems like on May the fourth, you 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 throw a little bit more of a softball, you know, that is going to get a whole bunch of people on Disney Plus, you know. But the but part of it is, and and let's be fair, uh, with Disney Plus, they already have built up Disney Plus Day towards you know when they came out, they already built a big deal. Then they just yesterday for the start of Black History Month put Wakanda Forever in there. They're making a big deal out of that and put another couple of other things. So they know they got to hit certain dates. I wonder if this is just the first announcement of stuff that they might be releasing. Obviously, they might be keeping some stuff in the bag, but it's the kind of stuff where you can announce it now. Sudden scene, I know that people are going to be like, oh, cool. Yeah, I remember that from last year. That was neat. And, you know, yeah, because I mean, uh, Dave's right. I mean, you got studios from Spain, Ireland, Chile. South Korea, France, India, South Africa. So yeah. it's going to be interesting. It's going to be far more eclectic than I think even... Because, of course, Vision Season 1 was all about Japanese animation and the various styles within Japanese animation. This is more global animation and how they perceive Star Wars. So it can lead to whole new different storylines and all new characters. So I think that would be good. But, yeah, it's... In terms of uh, making a big deal out of May the 4th, this is, this is probably like B tier in terms of what they can do, but it might also be step one. I mean, so like we were talking before the show, celebration uh, is a month before and they may be keeping a lot of their powder dry for that. 
Have you guys seen the um, movie Bottle Shock? Yes. Love that movie. Um, Alan, a... Alan Rickman eating Kentucky Fried Chicken is one of the best scenes in cinematic <laughs> history ever. I love it. I love it so much. And like, um, so there's a there's a point in the movie where he's talking about we're going to see wines from Argentina, from Brazil, from china you know he's just rattling them off because like we've we've seen this um and like i i I don't know i get vibes of that here like there are these really well established by now um animation studios all over the world and people aren't being exposed to them here in this country and this is an opportunity for that to happen and, and and um it's really sort of exciting um, because, again, this is a gateway. I watched something from one of these animators here. I like it a lot. I go seek out more of their content. Um, just a tremendous opportunity for a lot of people. I like it. You know what I would I like? Her- what I would like Star Wars Lucasfilm to do for Disney Plus days, and actually they can just start doing this on Disney Plus whenever they want to, is go into your archives and find all of those little documentary shorts that were like a part of different VHS box sets or DVD sets or Blu-ray sets and start, start popping those into the documentary section of Disney plus. I would eat that junk up, but I I do like, I I do see your point. And actually uh, I will retract my statement because maybe visions is more, is a better thing to do on a global quote unquote, star wars holiday and to bring fandom a little bit more together by having a little bit more of a worldly um star wars offering so and it's also it's an easier mechanism of delivery by which i mean lucasfilm is not going to let say uh, a studio team in chile or a studio team in ireland make their own star wars movie or even their star wars short but they let them do this so you're getting a sense of how Star Wars is perceived by the creators in that nation. And I think that they're putting their own spin on it. So I think that's interesting because you know, you're getting a different flavor of Star Wars while still recognizing that it's Star Wars well, they... in a way that's far easier for it to go down than say, we're going to show you. Imagine, I mean, I would love to see a Bollywood style Star Wars movie, but that's me. I know not that Aaron may not necessarily sit there for two hours. You know, when when the giant duel, when the movie ends and there's a gigantic dance number at the end. How do you know that I'm not a big Bollywood fan? How do you know that? I've never mentioned one word about it. What are you saying about me? But what I guess what I'm saying is, side on scene. Because I haven't seen Ted Lasso because everybody else in the world says I need to see Ted Lasso. (laughs) Look, it's the funniest movie since The Hangover, okay? (laughs) Fredo, what about uh, uh, Stephen Chow, uh, Star Wars? Oh my God, are you kidding me? I would a kung fu hustle, a Star Wars in the style of kung fu hustle. Well, well we all soccer. we all know oh, that cool. this isn't going to happen because they wouldn't let a Scottish guy say the uh, lines for Darth Vader. You know, pot of a knife and a tomato, take it away. If it's not Scottish, it's crap. It's, crap. it's thank you. <laughs> we know that. Uh, speaking of crap right quick then let's just move on before before we we make Aaron matter and get him back on the soapbox by the way 
yeah, that that's the title for this week's episode. Aaron on the soapbox and off the soapbox and on the soapbox. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, which is the sequel to Fallen Order, uh, hit with a last-minute delay. It's now launching on April 28th, which is kind of standard for video games. Dave knows, uh, can speak to this better, even better than I can. You know, when you get to the last minute of these developments, they're polishing stuff. They want to make sure everything's right. So sometimes stuff, it was supposed to come out at the start of April or the end of March. Now it's coming at the end of April. Well, Lucasfilm is awful at deadlines, so... That's yeah, well, this is a uh, Lucas no different to be fair. But what I will say though, and we were talking about this, is uh, before this was going to be very limited presence for this game at Celebration. Now it's coming after Celebration, so it kind of makes me wonder if maybe they'll try to do a bit more with the cast and the people involved from from Respawn Entertainment and the cat the characters who are going to be there because you know. Drum up more support. Well, when I if you didn't play, when I Mm -hmm. went to uh, Star Wars Celebration Chicago, um, they had the Vader Immortal. They had like Mm -hmm. like a little preview in a booth. You could go and play a little bit of it. I would not be a bit surprised if if this is coming out after Celebration, if they don't have like a booth where you can go play at least the first level, something like that. Whatever, yeah. Yeah, I, I think like too like the the fundamental shift for celebration is like the actors can speak way less freely. <laughs> like we're not gonna spoil the plot, you know. We're gonna we're gonna mind our p's and q's here a little bit more. But brings uh... up a question, and Aaron can probably answer this way better than one of us can. Do you remember at celebration? Oh, sure. Now, now, of... now you're now you're just sucking up to me. Now, anyway, go ahead. What? <laughs> Get on your soapbox. Now, uh, uh, have you ever seen uh, a lot of presents by LucasArts or the video game side of Lucasfilm at celebration, or has it been more focused well, on but I mean, movies or TV shows? I mean, name some LucasArts, you know, games that came out around celebration. I mean, it, it's, I mean, I mean, it's not like. You know the Battlefront games. I don't think came out you know during the. So I can't say that I have. Um, I I do say like I said in Chicago the Vader Immortal game did come out, um, and they were previewing that a bit. So, I mean I, I mean I would love to see somebody at, at Celebration uh, in uh, what what was the name of the character from Return to Monkey Island, Dave? Oh gosh, I've never I like I I've never played it. That's like high on the uh to-do list oh for yeah. yeah. Uh... That one or Full Throttle, which by the way, if you never played Full Throttle, Mark Hamill's in there as the voice of the villain, which is hilarious. Anyway, or Grim Fandango. Grim Fandango. Mm. Beautiful Lucas Art uh, game. I, anyway. I've got this I got this long list, you know, of games that I've never played that I'm trying to get done before I die. Um, and you're never you're never gonna hit them all, right? But uh, uh, that's a bucket list. Yeah. Yep. And okay, so last bit of news, and this one's a bit of left field, but uh, Dave said we should talk about it. And I think it's interesting. So uh, at the start of the week, James Gunn, who is now overseeing DC Studios or the DC Warner Brothers Arnold of DC movies, came out with a nice six minute video and video announcing what the next slate of their movies is. And what's interesting is, it's not what people expected, because, you know, people expected the Batman, Batman. Part 2. 
Yeah, basically, Batman and the Batman and Batman Part Two, you know, Batman Harder, and they expected a new <laughs> Superman movie and maybe Aquaman. So, but here's what's interesting. Here's what the announcement basically boiled down to: the key new movies for DC are going to be a new Swamp Thing movie. Which have either of y'all ever seen the original Swamp Thing movies <laughs> or the Swamp Thing TV show? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going back to my '80s and '90s nostalgia there. There's going to be a movie based around the anti-hero team, The Authority. There's going to be a spin-off uh, movie with Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart uh, in a true detective-style show called Lanterns, because they're both Green Lantern. And there's going to be a prequel series for Wonder Woman called Paradise Lost. So, from the offset, this is nothing like you would expect DC to come out with, but... It sounds like James Gunn type stuff. They're, they're calling it Paradise Lost. Or they're going to be a lot of people showing up and going, what the heck is this? <laughs> uh, I think there's a, there's, there's a concerted campaign to separate themselves from being, oh, we're Marvel, but well, we got Superman and Batman. But I mean, I, I understand this. I mean, that's, I mean, DC, from a layman's point of view, DC has been nothing but Batman superman and can't even say wonder woman because that's only been recently i mean it's like we've had a whole mm -hmm. heap of everything of those other two um whereas marvel has you know they're bringing it they're bringing on all the bands so yeah i mean what i want to see though is i want to see the legion of doom i want to see that you know <laughs> that you know thing rise up from the swamp so and solomon grundy so, uh, part of me, I, I'm, I, I have a lot of confidence in James Gunn in general, um, but a big, a big part of me wishes he was still at Marvel because I love what he's done with the Guardians so much, um, and I'll be sad to say goodbye to that. But uh, you see the, you know. did you see the holiday special? Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, yes, <laughs> it was so good. When we are born, we are swaddled and snuggled, whispered too fussed over, tickled and cuddled. When we grow up, things get muddled, and here it is Christmas time. That was like the perfect way to do that idea with those characters. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I absolutely adored that thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, like, they, they got a new movie coming soon and they're gonna sign off at that point and and he'll be free to do the dc stuff and some of this stuff sounds pretty interesting to me but um you know yeah. we'll see we'll see we'll see what comes of it like, like he's i guess he's sort of holding superman up to his chest like a baby right now it's like i get superman i'm taking care of superman so I we'll think see. I would like to have a show sometime where we have uh, a DC fan and a Marvel fan do point counterpoint because I would, again, from an ignorant point of view, as I said this, like, you know, the movies have been mainly Batman and Superman, but are, are Marvel comics more embraced as far as, I mean, how they have all these different you know heroes and so are are those comics like equally embraced whereas dc is it more like if it ain't superman and batman it's the b team or the c team 
I don't necessarily think so because Warner Brothers and DC have an amazing animated studio arm. Whether it's been the TV shows, the animated TV shows, or the animated movies that they've made over the last decade. I mean, you go watch stuff, whether it's Batman or Justice League or any of the other characters, they make tremendous animated, uh, animated movies with these characters. It's just whenever they transition to live, uh, live, something happens. Either they get somebody like who has their own ideas that doesn't want to do these characters the way that they're done, wants to do their own spin on them, or they struggle to adapt anybody who's not Batman. And really, that's kind of the approach. It's like, wait a minute. Yes, you can get Batman right, but you've shown that. Yeah. You can sort of get Superman right now and then. And you got Wonder Woman right for one movie and Aquaman right for one movie. That's pretty basically pretty much been it for them. They they struggled to bring their concepts together. And I don't know why that is, because again, when it comes to the animated side of them, they're amazing. The, the, you know, you can go to HBO Max and watch all their animated movies and they make sense and they're exciting and they're fun and their fans love them. Some of that stuff's getting pulled now. And like I don't like the way the HBO's being run in general on that on that level. That that's a whole show, right? At some point yeah. talking about like intellectual property and how it's being treated now, where it's like, I created this thing with you and in good faith, and now you're just pulling it so no one can have access to it. I think on some level that really makes me angry as a creative person. So um, yeah, that, that's something we can go down. Um, Harley Quinn, uh, fabulous in animation. Eh, I mean, with the Margot Robbie stuff, I, she's fine. Um, so yeah, I totally feel what you're, what you're saying there, Fredo. Um, Shazam. I don't want to like, undersell though either i think shazam was wonderful um and i'm really excited about the sequel we'll see what we'll, we'll see what we get i hope the tone is correct um but yeah it's just it's it's strange it's just such a strange thing because like i feel like they wanted to do the crossover thing so desperately and those were their biggest failures the crossover films they didn't work at all um, some of the standalone stuff worked really well. And like you said, a lot of the animated stuff worked really well. Um, Peacemaker was, was funny. Um, mm -hmm. you know, like there's, there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, but yeah, the, the overall vision and the, I, you know, the, the mega crossover, none of that was working. Uh, and, and so I see this, the, why they would reboot, um, for lack of a better term, with a you know a new direction, I do agree. I do think Aaron is right though in saying that he's got to be holding Superman close to his chest, so to speak. Meaning, he's not going to let that one go until he feels it's ready and it's time and they can do it right. Because I think you know, given the okay, people were not necessarily thrilled with the Brandon Ralph Superman Returns. People were somewhat happy with. Henry Cavill, but Man of Steel was not as greatly received, and then Batman v Superman became a mess. So I think he is right to kind of say, okay, no, we really need to start getting some of these other guys to the forefront. You know, the other good thing is, particularly something like Swamp Thing, Swamp Thing, which is an Alan Moore creation, you can go be as 
crazy and goofy and outlandish with it because the lore there is awesome, but also there's no there's not going to be a, a massive protest by the kind of people who are you know mad that you got rid of Henry Cavill right now, upset if you decide to make Swamp Thing something different. You can do that. Like if you decide to bring Keanu Reeves for John Constantine, John Constantine, excuse me, you know, you can do that and, and you know, again, not upset the fans that it doesn't look like anything like that. You can do those kinds of things because it's completely left field. And if you can, if you you need to get a footing with fans, you need to start drawing people in and saying, Hey, I wanna see these characters, I wanna see this these stories. And then when you're ready, okay, here comes Superman. Now we're it's a big enough threat where we can bring the man of steel in. See, Sophie's saying we need to move on from <laughs> Hi, Sophie. My my dog is Sophie. looking through the camera. Uh, so um yeah, I, I mean, news. Yeah, that's news, but I, I do think it'd be fun to have uh just count point counterpoint with a find the be- biggest Marvel fan and the biggest DC fan and have them go at it. Um, but anyway. I, think both, I think both of those are Scott, Scott Scoresby. <laughs> Just have Scott do it with himself. Yeah, We could, we could edit it back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, all right. So Bad Batch. what five and six is that we're on here so entombed and tried um so i i just have one question for you guys are you are you prepared to finally uh give in and say that i am right that they're moving towards omega being force sensitive you mean all her feelings uh, that are paid that are coming through or all her feelings that are giving her uh, protecting her. Another, so, so first of all, I have I do have to say, and uh, Dave just w- w- opened his eyes. That's all. He didn't say a word. I don't think he wants to say that I'm right. Uh, but uh, I I will say some things I found interesting. Um, first of all, I didn't feel this. Well, I, I just want to talk Omega here for a second because she started doing something in Entombed that we haven't seen her do since um the first episode of the bad batch like when she first meets hunter she's mimicking his actions his body movements everything like that and she's doing that with whoever wanda sykes character is um i can't remember the character's name forgive me Uh, Uh, but but so she's doing she's doing the exact same thing so um so I find that I find that interesting. Um, Omega is obviously trying to find her place in a larger universe. Um, and she's, you know, obviously seeing Hunter as a role model. She's seeing um, that with fee. Is that what you said? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. As, as a role model. Um, so that was interesting. But then in um, tribe, she's, it, first of all, it was the thing that struck me, and I'm sorry if I'm bouncing all over this. These are just Aaron's notes that are top of his head. The thing that struck me was when she's sitting there at the very beginning, and basically it was Luke on Dagobah saying, "There's something familiar about this place." She just said, "There's something off about this place. I don't basically I don't like it." And I was like, mm-hmm. "Ah, there we go." And then when her 
like her head kind of pops up right as right before you hear something going on with our special character that's coming in. So she's, and then, then it goes even deeper, um, um, with a connection to the force. So I think I'm right. Can I offer an alternate, uh, perspective? Sure. Yeah. Um, you'd be wrong all you want, but that's fine. Whatever you want to do. <laughs> all right. So with, with tribe that episode, absolutely. A hundred percent looks like we're trending that direction with her, with force sensitivity. I mean, putting her next to a young Jedi and having them share experiences and, and approach things in a very similar way. Um, like I feel is like a flashing neon sign. And I think we've all for many, many episodes now speculated on this fact. So yes, Aaron, if it turns out to be true, we will give you credit, but I think we'll give our, all, all of ourselves credit as well here. Um, if that turns out to be the case, cause I think it's been kind of fairly obvious for a while now that having been said, when I watched entombed, I wasn't thinking she's going down the path of the Jedi. I was thinking she's going down the path of a Dr. Afra. You know, and that was the thing also. I, I, I was actually found myself in the middle of this episode going, this, it, they shouldn't have used Wanda Sykes' character. This would have been a perfect opportunity to introduce Dr. Afra outside of a comic book. For kids, for you, those of you who don't know about um, Dr. Afra, basically Star Wars Indiana Jones, right? I mean, and way more gray, yeah, way more, uh, uh, right, more morally neutral. Which, which I think we could argue that Wanda Sykes' character is kind of that way, being a pirate. Um, but uh, and given the fact that they were like diving so deep into the Indiana Jones style of music, which I thought was mm -hmm. awesome. Uh, I just thought it would have been a good, it, it just would have been a good opportunity and kind of a missed opportunity. It would have made sense and it would have given them the opportunity because Dr. Afra is also a um, LGBTQ character. Yeah. It would have been an opportunity. So um, yeah, Aaron's back on a soapbox, but and, and a popular character with with the comic book readers. I mean, it's it, so it would have been that they would rework some canon with that if they did. I guess I think she's much younger during this time period, like like very very young, like Omega's mm. age. Is, um, are you saying that Omega might grow up to be Doctor Afra? Different hair color, but you oh, know, people dye I mean, their hair all the time. Yeah, you know, Luke I, Skywalker's hair is different, and A New Hope has been opposed to Return of the Jedi. I, just I didn't think, think of that, Dave. You, oh, hmm. I, I, not even going that far with it, right? <laughs> like, I mean, like, it's a fun, it's a fun theory, right? But um, maybe it's an opportunity for her to explore that path, and eventually this sort of opens the door for those two characters, even if they're separate characters to interact down the road, because they're both the adventurer types, sure. you know? Um, so there's a lot of storytelling opportunity later on. If she continues down that road, um, whether, you know, there was some big reveal about that or not. 
Um, but I don't know. I mean, like, honestly, watching that episode, that it was very Indiana Jonesy. Uh, well, it was so, funny. There were so many. There, there were so many things. It was like, first of all, I, again, I don't, I, I can't say that I don't think this was advancing the story any further because the big weapon, the big boss that they come in, they they um, run into at the end, um, and you have to, again, kids, you have to do the homework where is you have to go watch some screen rant or uh, screen crush type stuff and or have watched some of the mock-ups of Clone Wars episodes that were never released where the dialogue actually Yoda talks about these super weapons that the Jedi and Sith had. And if you remember from Rebels, one of those was the Sith Temple on Malachor. Um, so, you know, they and they lit up similar, similarly. Um but the other thing, it was funny because I watched the episode and I said, oh, I said, Britt, you've got to watch this with me. See if you're, if you catch on some of the winks and nods that they gave. And she came up with one that I didn't even think. Well, first of all, she's like, right off the bat, the music, she was like, this is like Indiana Jones. So the music mm-hmm. helped that way. And of course, they're on a treasure hunt. But then um, she looked at it, that first puzzle they had, she was like, this is like the fifth element. <laughs> I was like, now, "Wow, I didn't, even, I didn't even think about that one." But then other people were saying well then, it was well like the other people were saying as like the Goonies, because we're using the, like uh, the thing, the little seer stone that helps you, you know, find One-Eyed Willie's, you know, treasure or whatever. Um, and to kind of just piggyback on that, Aaron, and to kind of go give you support on your Omega Force powers. Theory. I need support, man. It's int- I know I'm right. <laughs> no, 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 because no, it's interesting. Because the one figure, not remember, they get into it, and you now the first puzzle, they nearly drop a rock on themselves, or one of them. I think Riker nearly falls to his death, and then they save him. Yeah, giant uh, boulder. But it's, yeah, another Indiana Jones. Go ahead. It, but it's Omega who's figuring stuff out. She's the one who is using the compass to navigate to find the markers. She discovers that the floor is upside down later on down the line. So she's the one who is almost in tune with figuring out what's happening. She's, you know, and some of that is maybe, okay, look, the adults are just seeing a door for a door, a rock for a rock. She's the one that's still showing that natural inquisitiveness that kids show. And I wonder what this does. And I wonder what this looks through there. But it's also indicative with between this episode and the, the following episode of how she's becoming more aware of her feelings and where they guide her, which is all very much Jedi stuff or Force stuff, you know. So becoming more in tune with who she is and the world around her. And it's a, it's going to be an interesting dynamic because she's the one, I mean, it's not, you, you would think it'd be somebody like Hunter or Tech who are the most savvy about tracking or figuring stuff out, figuring puzzles out. No, it's it's Omega's figuring a lot of the stuff in in tuned out just by nature of, okay, huh? Wonder what this is, and just this doesn't look right. And using the compass, so it's inter- it's interesting that it may be guiding us towards that conclusion. I know it did to me for a moment. I can, I can also say Entombed uh, called to mind other uh, media for me as well. Um, uh, Breath of the Wild, uh, Zelda. Yes. Oh. Um, and uh, yeah, from the big machine, the big the big war machine at the end, yeah, it, it looked exactly similar to 
one of the big towers. If you ever play uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, mm. those big lumbering machines. Yeah, that's what it looked yeah. like. It looked like some, and what's interesting, and they mentioned it, it sounds like it's a war machine from an ancient war long before the Republic and the Jedi and any of that stuff. So it makes you wonder well, if you'll ever hear where that come from. But that was that was one of the things that's been put forth is that our is you know feloni trying to now link us back to knights of the old republic mm-hmm. um so yeah probably so, possibly maybe um, the thing was it was a fun episode it was um it felt rebels ish more than clones wars clone wars ish it felt very rebels ish um and i don't mean that in a bad way it was just i just the tone took on uh, took like I said, took on the rebels. Uh, the other, but before you move on, the other thing I kind of want to laugh about is, and Tech makes this point at the end of the episode, they're 0 for 2 on treasure hunts. And all I kept thinking of was both Cowboy Bebop as well as a bit of the A team. You know, when they would achieve something, they would survive it, but they wouldn't get paid because at the end of the day, they didn't get the treasure. Well, that's Indiana down. Jones, too. He never gets exactly. The so, so very, very much in a Lucasfilm mindset of okay, congratulations, you stayed alive and you won. There's no reward for this. Yeah, I mean, when we talked about too about um, the previous episode that had the clear uh, Indiana Jones callback, which was like, you leave the treasure behind or you'll die. Yeah. Um, you know, I can it, almost reach it. Yeah. Yeah, I can almost reach it. I almost have it, and it's like, yeah, we know, we've seen this before. Um, but it's a good trope. It's a fun trope. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it exists for a reason. So now and we, it plays something to the next one. <laughs> well, we we get into a little bit more Star Wars, if you will, with the next episode of Tribe. Um, and I gotta tell you, first of all, so we have our old friend Gunji, who is the Wookie <laughs> Jedi. Um, in Clone yeah. Wars, ladies and gentlemen, kids, you have to do the summer reading here. But in Clone Wars, Ahsoka takes a group of Padawans to Ilum. And by the way, Ilum is what becomes Starkiller Base. Uh, goes to Ilum to get their Kyber crystals. And they all have different challenges and they have to. Um, and Gunji was a Wookiee. It was a Wookiee Jedi. And his test, if you will, is that he had to be patient. He had to be patient in order to get his stone. Um, and actually Yoda um, at the end, like commends him on his patience. And there was a cup. So anyway, in this episode tribe, um, they're, they're on some mission with, with some really mean droids. That was actually some good. They were like uh, basically smuggler droids. Um, but Omega kind of gets a whiff of something and they, she finds these droids beaten up on a Wookiee and it's, it's Gunji and he, and he is a Jedi. He uses the force and grabs his lightsaber and stuff like that. And so now it's like, they've got to get Gunji out of here. So the bad batch is starting to do what echo has wanted them to do to actually be like, we, we need to do things for people and to do good and not just do things to earn money. And so this is kind of that step because and actually echo, you know, 
brings up the fact that the clones were very, you know, close with the Wookiees. Um, and I have to say with this episode, uh, and they, and they go, so they go, they take him to Kashyyyk and I didn't even think about it until they mentioned that Gunji doesn't recognize Kashyyyk except for his dreams because he was a baby when, oh. you know, when they discovered he was force sensitive and whisked him to the Jedi temple. Um, and I have to say that I was once again. It was like it was a breath of fresh air to see a Jedi in Star Wars. And I wonder if if Filoni's starting to be smart about this. You know, it's like I said, let's let's do a lot of non Jedi stuff, and then when the Jedi comes back, it's a special event. You know, um, so obviously Gunji survived Order sixty six, and they take him back to. Um, I was hoping Dave was going to see Bosk. Bosk. It was it was Trandoshans, but no Bosk specifically. But I don't know what what. So I I just gave a bunch of stuff about this episode. It, but what what do you guys think about bringing Gunji back, and why do you think we did? Why what do you think we're going at here? I I mean yeah I think it's the force sensitivity thing with uh with omega um it's also the it's perfect for this particular story where you're talking about like the natural and being in tune with your environment and um and how like that's where omega's trending is like i'm very in tune with the things around me i'm very observant yes but i'm also feeling things and getting feelings off of things and so like being in this specific environment is conducive towards that and so if you wanted to accomplish both things this is the perfect character in gunji to do it he gives you an excuse to go to that kind of an environment. He also acts as a conduit for her. Um, it could be an it could be a misdirect. It could be something that she's not destined for ultimately. Um, but you know, like honestly, I think like the intention at this stage of the story is that is to make us think that's where she's headed. So. It's very effective in that. But just way. from a warm, fuzzy nature, were you excited to see Gunji? Was that not cool? By the way, I read Gunji's something great. today that that George Lucas was adamant about not having a Wookiee Jedi. That there was they were talking about putting one in Revenge of the Sith, I think, and he said absolutely no Wookiee Jedi. Come on now, George. Oh. Everybody wants a Wookiee Jedi. Everybody. Maybe he didn't want to diminish Chewie in any way. I don't yeah, maybe. Yeah. Again, you give Chewie a lightsaber, everybody's happy. That's right. Uh, yeah, I love having Gunji here. Again, there are these little connections that tie the Bad Batch to Clone Wars, which I think every now you you get one of them, they're good, particularly as we move forward in the story, because it reminds you of where things have gone or how much time has moved. Because, I mean, in this episode, the droids even say that there's a buyer that's willing to pay a high price for Gunji. Now, is that the Emperor? Is that Vader? Is that somebody else? So it's interesting that they're leaving. Inquisitors. Um, yeah. yeah, they're leaving that. Uh, you know, obviously the Vanguard Axis droids were not going to tell you who the buyer was. 
I, I think what what bigger the, the biggest thing that kind of struck me is yes, because Gunji is a Jedi Padawan, he doesn't remember Kashyyyk, doesn't remember his tribe. But I think they're also juxtaposing the nature of the tribe of the family that Gunji's trying to find again with Omegas and the Bad Batch. Because I don't know if you noticed, the Bad Batch's uniforms are getting more colorful and uniquely colorful. They're no longer the uniforms that we saw them at the end of Clone Wars. They're they're gaining their own dependence. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily something that Omega's doing to them or if it's something they're doing themselves. But it's an interesting dynamic. It makes it, they're individualized. And kind of like we said last week about uh, Tech kind of finding something that he's good at apart from being in the Bad Patch with his uh, pod racing or his racing skills. There could be a moment where the tribe has to go their own separate ways to continue living. And, you know, it's interesting that as Gunji's looking towards finding his tribe, maybe Omega's tribe at some point is going to go its own separate ways. So rebels hit on this in their last season and this so now i think in bad batch we're kind of uh uh we're establishing the first time that we see it even though it's not the first time we see it you know if you know what i mean um and that's the fact of you know the empire not giving two hoots about environment you know it's you know the deforestation the stripping of um of natural resources um really establishing that um the other thing that's that was in my brain is that the, the more and more and first of all i have no problem with jedi surviving order 66 because i always thought they, they couldn't have gotten everybody but the more jedi that we introduce and say yeah these people survived one is awesome and two makes you realize how out of touch and how out of tune Yoda and Obi-Wan were. And maybe it's not out of touch and out of tune, just tunnel vision on we got to beat Vader and the Emperor. Because Obi-Wan obviously comes across a Jedi in Kenobi. You know, but I just, I'm going back to the, to the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. The last of the Jedi will you be? And that boy was our only hope. And blah, blah, blah. It's like, they were convinced that it was this is all that's left. And meanwhile that, oh, we got my. meanwhile we got Gunji and Ezra Bridger and Cal Kestis and who else do you want running around, you know, um Jedi out there. So I just find that interesting. Ahsoka. Well, it's, Ahsoka it's, was running around. Yeah. So In some ways that dogma that dogmatic view that really set them up to fail at the end of the Republic. It's still with them. That's kind of the yeah. difficulty is that, you know, let's be fair. As we age, we get more tunnel vision. We get less capable of, you know, seeing options, alternatives, because we it has to fit a certain way, certain point of view, if you will. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting that in their viewpoint, the only people that Darth Vader becoming after or the Emperor becoming after are themselves, Yoda and Obi-Wan. So therefore, they must go into hiding they got to take Luke's kids because they're the thing he's going to be after the most. And then they're the ones who are going to end up dethroning the Emperor and Vader. And it's like, wait a minute. There's thousands of Jedi scattered throughout the galaxy. The only thing they do is they set up beacon saying, don't come back to Coruscant. And good luck. You guys are on your own. Figure it out. Instead of, wait a minute. We're both Jedi Masters and on the Council. Let's go try to recruit as many as these are and kind of get them to safety in a way. But 
again, it's there is a point of view where to them the only solution that may have ended in disaster and the only way to see through it through was put all their eggs in the Luke Skywalker basket. They ended up being correct, but they sort of willed that into being correct in a way because of the way that they treated the situation. And uh, so there's a, there's an interesting philosophy at play uh, there now, now that uh, we've had so much uh, back writing to the story that we can say like, yeah, there were others. There wasn't just this one guy. Um, you know, it, he, he had some tunnel vision there. And again, like their tunnel vision created Vader's tunnel vision. You know, they sort of manifested this situation well, into being. Here's the, here's the thing that I do like what, what Filoni is doing with all, with the Bad Batch, the Clone Wars, with, you know, Rebels, with, you know, to an extent Rebels, but, you know, Mandalorian, all this stuff. And it's, it's always been a, my point of view with, you know, Star Wars, the original trilogy, we are looking through a pinhole at a huge painting. And we're focused on like five people. We're focused on Luke, Vader, you know, Han, Leia, and Chewie. Basically, that's it. When you talk about the rebellion as a whole, we're not talking about the rebellion as a whole. And that's what, you know, Rebels helped establish and Rogue One helped establish and Andor has helped to establish that story. Um, the original trilogy, like I said, is just a pinhole. So. So to people who might be like, why are we, you know, doing these other things? Um, it just makes you realize that, man, there's so much more to the overall story. And that's what the book's certain point of view helped, you know, talk about as well. It's like, yeah, okay, Luke and Obi-Wan are in the cantina. But what about these other people that were sitting at the bar? What's their story? Yeah. And and I appreciate that. And I like that. And um, so... Yeah. But, but also, I also think in a way it kind of mirrors the way we write history. You know, history tends to be 100%. the big moments, the big characters, you know, and it almost makes it seem like it was always going to be this way. Like, you know, of course, Adams and Jefferson and all the other founding fathers are going to meet and sign the Declaration of Independence. And of course, we were going to win that war led by Washington. And of course, you know, just kind of any any nation has their own myth, a lot, myth around their creation so to speak but then you go back and actually study the period and the time what they were doing you're like this wasn't guaranteed none of this stuff is set in stone and it gets rewritten and rewritten time and again that's why studying history is so important why that's why always because of people looking to rewrite history in certain ways and take stuff out because they're trying to tell you a tale uh and i think that's in a way what we see in star wars is we got the tale we got told oh of course the Jedi Masters did, you know, did this thing, and they they had their great hope on these two children, and they hid them away. And eventually, they came together, and the rebellion won. And of course, they were going to win. And now we're seeing no. There could have been any number of of paths and plans they could have taken, and who knows? Maybe they would have won earlier. Maybe you would have set them up to fail. Maybe Ezra Bridger leads a whole battalion of Jedi and destroys and takes over Coruscant. You know that's that's kind of the catch. It's it's not said. None of these stories are set in stone. 
once you start studying all the well, and, ways in which it breaks. And we'll let Dave jump in here in a second, but that gets to the point, you know, when I mentioned the Dr. Afra thing, you know, it's like you made the comment about, you know, you have to kind of break canon a little bit. And so this is not exactly like that, but what, what you would consider, like if we were to say Ezra Bridger was to take a whole bunch of, you know, round up all the Jedi, make, maybe you have your end game moment where it's like all of a sudden all these Jedi show up to take down Thrawn and everybody's like, blah, 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 blah. that's, that's not canon. It's like, why couldn't it be? Because again, all we were looking at was a little pinhole and Yoda and Obi-Wan, all they were focused on was Vader. You know, nobody, you know, just because Yoda says, does that make it, you know, the thing? I don't know. This is a very personal conflict for them, right? At that at that stage of things, because of Palpatine and because of Anakin, and um, and so they they got they got very fixated on that being the solution to the problem. It was like, all right, those two are bad news. They're bad news together. They they took us down. They 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 got to We got to knock them out, right? Um. I guess it's only natural in a, in a way, but it's, again, it's like, what happens next? Um, let's say that they're right, and they were ultimately proven correct that those were the two like keystones to this whole thing. Well, okay, they're they're gone at the end of Return of the Jedi. Then what? Um, and we saw that it wasn't necessarily easy for people at that point to sort of try to rebuild and, and just think like, well, okay, everything's fine now because like, no, that's not how these things work. Um, and that's what the sequel trilogy really sort of outlined for us all. Like, no, no, it, these things, it just keeps happening. <laughs> it's like some other bad actor is going to step up into that void every time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, that's the nature of this stuff. But this also, the other part of this story of Tribe, um, it's like, so they get a Wookiee, and what do we do with this Wookiee? Well, we got to take him to Kashyyyk, because that's where all the Wookiees are. And it's... Which is... And he he's, that's, you know, I mean, that's, it's, it's like uh, when when people say, you know, about when, you, you know, it's like when people talk about, you know, we need to send all the immigrants back to their country. <laughs> it's like, that's, you know, so you take some kid who's never you know been to Mexico right. before. And just because he's of Mexican descent, it's like, yeah, that's going to be the place to send him. You know, it's so that I found that interesting, especially with clones who, don't fit in with their own either you know what i mean that's um, a good title it's it's just a really good title i because like you're talking about like is is his tribe ultimately kashik and other wookies or is his tribe the jedi um where do the clones fit in where does omega fit in um you know like they're all trying to figure out like where's our tribe where where do we where do we fit in in this and so like from that perspective yeah it's i i think it's a great title <laughs> to your point yeah no like if you sit there and you think about this like no you you can't 
you can't just do that. We'll take him back to his people, you know? And it's like, well, no, he hasn't lived that life. That's not his life. Yeah. And when you consider that, you know, particularly now, I will say slightly in their defense, if you're looking to protect a young Wookiee on the run, putting him with other Wookiees is probably best at the same time, though. What's the story of Kashyyyk that we all know about? Because we've all seen Solo. We've all seen Rebels. We've all seen all the stories. The Wookiees get oppressed to heck and back. Mm -hmm. They are they're The world is stripped mined for resources. They are they become a slave force, labor force across the galaxy. So if you're trying to keep a Jedi force sensitive Wookiee safe, bringing him to the place that you know the Empire is and that they're looking for any kind of way to, you know, rip up whatever's of value there, probably not the best. I also do understand when you start thinking, well, what else are you going to do with him? It kind of creates an interesting dynamic for them, which I don't know if it would have been interesting if they had kept, you know, they had said, Gunji, come with us. If that was even an option for them. Well, I mean, it's it's like a, an animal that has been, you know, in a zoo forever. The last thing you can probably do is release that animal into the wild again. You know, right. so, but it's, uh, but again, it seems like what this, the, the macro story to the Bad Batch, like Dave was talking about with just the title of Tribe, is just finding your place in this universe. And mm-hmm. beyond the, I mean, yeah, just fi- finding where you fit in, you know, and what is, you know, what is the overall um, impact that you can have, you know, on the universe. So, um and that kind of makes me appreciate the one with tech a little bit better because we talked about how he was finding maybe his niche in, you know, racing. Maybe that's what makes him special, you know? Um, yeah. But anyway, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I was watching this, a, a new, uh, television series recently. Um, I think there's a shrinked or shrinking or something. It's shrinking. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, it's really interesting so far. Um, but, uh, one of the subplots is that, uh, this psychiatrist takes on a client who is, uh, in PTSD, former soldier. And it's like, well, how do I help him through that? Um, we haven't really dealt with a lot of that sort of thing here so far with PTSD, but um, it is really the story that we're we're talking about here, which is like trying to get soldiers sort of ingrained back into society. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, and so, to Gun- that point, Gunji Dave, is just as much of a soldier as they were. Yeah. And to that point, Dave, next week we get two episodes. They are titled The Clone Conspiracy and Truth and Consequences. So I wonder if we're going to tackle some of what you're uh, suggesting next week. Two episodes next week. Both on Wednesday? Both on Wednesday, February 8th. I wonder if this is when we'll get Rex back, if we're going to get a lot more into what the clones experienced during Order 66 and the fallout from that. If we'll start touching on stuff like PTSD that they're still clearly living with. So with that, um, I do want to do a little programming note. We're going to record 
early uh, next week because uh, Tuesday is Star Wars podcast day, right? Ooh, yeah. yeah. And we've got a, I'm not going to say what it is, but we've got a fun topic. And I'm not going to tell, I'm, I, I tell you, Dave, I think I got, you guys are going to love mine. That's all I'm going to say. Oh. I got to think about mine. Oh. I might. It it, w- it won't be a surprise when I say it, but when you when you brought up the topic, I was like, "Yeah, that's what I'm going with," and it's going to be maybe a bit controversial. So okay, all right. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't sorted mine out yet, but I will say um, I'm going to want to wax poetic ever so briefly about why I don't why I would not want to participate in this topic. But I'm doing it to myself. I, I suggested it. We're going to do it. It's going to be good. Do we want to say what the topic is, or should we just leave it as a tease? I think we'll tease. Let's, All right. let's leave it the tease. So, Peace hard. Any any last uh, comments on the Bad Batch episodes? Um, really good season. Enjoying it so far. It's got a good beat. I can dance to it. All right. Well, there you go. with that, we will say who dat? Who dat? parades are gonna be starting here soon folks so start training um and uh get your good footwear start drinking a couple beers every night to keep you know just to get things trained up so but uh battery packs that's right so uh right on well everybody have a great and safe week we'll see you later